Hi everyone, this is Arzo, and you're listening to the Sexy Boss Babe Podcast, Season 2, Episode 27. Today's topic is sales. Yes, that's right. One of the things that I notice a lot when I am part of these women business groups, women entrepreneur groups, is there's it seems as though there's a lot of women that are one starting businesses, which I think is amazing, but people are a little bit afraid of sales. I think that some people might not even be aware of what the sales cycle is, and there are actually seven steps to the sales cycle, seven main steps, and those are what I'm going to talk about today, what the seven steps are. And I'll use examples, some real life examples, um, some fictional examples, but this will be enough to really get you going, um, give you a little bit of a foundation on how to be able to be a great salesperson and why is being a salesperson important? Um, I know sometimes people, especially women feel icky about selling. It's kind of like, oh, I don't want to be too pushy and I don't want to sell. The reality is, is If you're going to be in business, no matter what kind of business it is, sales is the foundation of your business. Now, in an e-commerce business, um, you'll have a marketing budget to do advertising and sponsorships and everything like that, um, or, you know, do sponsored ads to draw in leads. Um, For people that don't have that access or, or a marketing budget, You're going to have to do things a little bit the old-fashioned way. That includes picking up the phone and doing cold calls, um, maybe even door-to-door sales. So those are all of the things that we're going to talk about. And those are all sales activities really at the core is what drives your revenue. So if you're not selling, there's no revenue. And the more cost-effective ways that you can um, create leads for yourself, the better your bottom line is going to be. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to list what those seven steps are, and then we're going to go over them one by one. So the first part of the sales cycle is getting prospects or leads. The second is to set up an appointment, uh, either do a cold call or a face-to-face meeting. The third part when you're finally talking to the customer, is you have to qualify the customer. That means making sure that they're a viable person to sell your product or service to so that you don't waste time. The fourth one is you're going to have an opportunity to present or pitch what your product is or your service. The fifth one is dealing with objections, handling objections from your customer. And these are going to be questions that they're going to be asking or things that they may like or not like. The next one, number six, is closing the sale. Being able to finalize it, get that transaction completed. And the last one is asking for a referral. So these are the seven points of a sale. And in every business, product, service, whatever it is, every business has its sales cycle, might vary a little bit, but these are the main seven points. So let's start with the first one, 
how to get leads or prospecting. It's one of those parts of the business that people just kind of don't like to do. If you have a larger company where you have salespeople, most salespeople already know how to do this. So they're not, um, they're not shy or ignorant to what that means to prospect. If you are a new up and coming entrepreneur, this might be something new for you. Prospecting and and getting leads is how you're going to get your sale. So just because you talk to somebody does not mean that they're going to be a customer or that they're going to purchase something from you. So you have to create what's called a pipeline. So what you want to do is you want to have enough leads in your pipeline so that it increases your chance of getting a customer, i.e. or getting a sale eventually. So that means that let's say that you have to cold call. You might have to call 100 people before you get somebody that's interested. So coming up with that list, you might create a prospect lead list out of the phone book. You might create the list from your business contacts that you know. Once you have your list, the next step is really to just pick up the phone, reach out to those people by email, um, through social networks, and try to get an appointment. So let's say that you finally do that. And you might have to get, like I said, go through 100 different leads before you can convince, let's say, five people to meet with you. Just because you have a lead, it doesn't mean that that person's going to meet with you. That's the other part to understand. That's why the more leads that you have, the more chance you have of getting that appointment. So let's say that you've called 100 people and let's say that you've gotten 10 people that are interested. You've set 10 appointments now. So that's the next part. You've convinced them to set an appointment with you, to see you, to talk to you. Now we're going to qualify the customer. You're face-to-face with them. You're talking, you're discussing what their needs are. So let's, let's come up with a product. So let's say that you're a real estate agent and you're selling a house. Now you finally got someone that's interested. You're going to qualify them. Qualifying a home buyer is a little bit different because you want to know what their assets are, what their credit score is, their debt to income ratio. That's how you're going to qualify them. And going through that process, you're going to know immediately uh, what this person qualifies for in terms of a loan um, or how much money they have to make a down payment. Let's say that you are a retail person and you're selling, I don't know, let's say clothes to somebody. So qualifying your customer is going to be different. You are going to assess what their budget is, right? Are you going to sell them one blouse? Are you going to sell them a whole outfit? Or are you going to sell them a wardrobe? Or maybe it's just going to be as simple as accessories, So you have to know if they're just coming in for accessories and you're trying to sell them shoes, it may not work. It may work though too, depending on what kind of salesperson you are, what kind of uh, rapport you have with your customer. So all of those things matter as well. So now that you've qualified your customer, you've determined that this is somebody that's interested in buying a product. The next part is explaining. So for example, for me with Sexy Boss Babe, if I'm going to sell Sexy Boss Babe nails to somebody face to face, I will find out 
about their nails. One of the first questions, the qualifying question that I asked them is, what do you do about your nails? Do you get them done? And that's very telling, right? Someone will say, well, I get acrylic nails. Or they'll say, "Um, I don't do anything to my nails. Or they'll say, I paint my nails. So when I hear what a customer does, one, it starts the conversation. So I'm able to know where they stand, what kind of products or services that they currently use. And then I can start introducing them to Sexy Boss Babe. That next part is that making your pitch a presentation. So once I know that the customer or the person that I'm talking to um, does use nail services or they do paint their nails or they like to do something with their nails, now I'm going to talk about Sexy Boss Babe and talk about its benefits. So when you're doing your presentation, whether it's for a service or a product or whatever it is, when you get that opportunity to do your presentation, you have your customer's attention. This is the time that you're going to establish and build trust with your customer. It's important to make eye contact. It's important to connect. It's important to dress appropriately. So does that mean for your business, I don't know, everybody's businesses are different. Does that mean to wear a suit or a dress, have polished shoes? All of those things matter and make a difference. People assess you, people judge you, and it affects if they're going to trust what you're going to say based on those things. So before you even give your presentation or your pitch, you're already going to be judged based on how you dress. So make sure that when you're in that situation, uh, you've got your hair, makeup, um, and your own nails done and ready. Once you have that opportunity to start talking about your product and service, this is a time where you can truly shine if you've taken the time to really research your product, your service, your industry, and your competitors. And know it inside and out. Know this, this, the strengths and weaknesses of your product. Know the strengths and weaknesses of your competitors' products. Know the industry trends. Know all of those things because those are going to be the things that are going to end up coming up later. When you clearly explain your product or service to somebody, they are going to get a really good feel for you. They're going to see how knowledgeable you are. That adds to building trust. When someone trusts you, they're more likely to listen to what you're going to say or accept it, or want to listen to your guidance, because now they have trusted you. So I'm going to use Sexy Boss Babe for as, as an example. So when I'm explaining Sexy Boss Babe nails, I talk about the quality, I talk about the glue, how it's second to none, I talk about the fact that it lasts as long as it does, and the fact that it's reusable, and different benefits about the product. And I'll talk about competing products without naming other competitors, but talk about the weaknesses because customers know exactly which products are not good and why. And I'll talk about how our product is better. So now that you've done your presentation, the next part is handling objections. The customer will have questions. They will say, well, 
I like this, but I don't like this. You have to know your product or service that well that you can overcome those objections. And you're going to have to help your customer understand and sometimes pivot. So for example, I'm going to use a different industry. I used to sell legal products and services. So one of the, um, when I would give presentations, something that customers would ask would be uh, regarding um, scheduling, scheduling the service and talking to our scheduling team. They wanted it to be easy. They want to pick up the phone and they want to call. Now in our system, we had an online portal and we wanted the customer to use the online portal. That is what we would pitch our customers to use. However, if the customer wanted to pick up the phone and call, we would tell them that they're able to do that. If once I learn that that's something that's important for the customer, I will make sure that our scheduling department honors the way that the customer wants to do business with us. And that part is customer service. So in that particular example, I made sure to offer a high level of customer service to my customer. If they didn't want to schedule through the online portal, they can always call our office. Um, so you want to find solutions during handling the customer objections. So, and in and, and different products, different services, different businesses are going to have different objections. So again, you have to know your product and service very well. You have to know your business very well. You have to know the capabilities of your business. Sometimes you might not be able to overcome an objection. And in, the customer might be asking something unreasonable. And again, if you are strong in your product, your service, and your industry, you have to speak with confidence and let your customer know that the thing that they're asking for is not reasonable or it's not um, uh, likely and not just in your company, but it could be an industry standard. And again, it goes back to your knowledge. So instead of just sitting there saying, no, sorry, we don't offer that. And the customer's thinking, oh, well, that's too bad. I could probably get it somewhere else. But you know that no other company can do that for whatever reason. But you're going to lose the trust of your customer if you don't know that. So make sure you know your industry, you know your product, you know your services inside and out. Be prepared to handle any objection that comes your way. One of the ways to prepare handling objections is literally and simply through experience. When you've spoken to enough customers over time, you will hear the common objectives. You will learn. If you don't know the answer, you'll go back to your team or your business. You'll figure those answers out. And it's okay to tell your customer, I'm not actually sure about that. That's a great question. Let me circle back with you. Because what you're also doing is you're not coming across as, as a slick salesman that's going to set anything they want to get or to close that sale. You're being honest with your customer. And that goes back to trust. Because you are respecting and considering your customer's wants and needs above closing the sale. That adds to trust. 
You may not get the sale at that moment, but you've gained the trust of the customer. They'll either buy from you later, and if they don't, they will recommend you because they trust you. That's how important trust is, especially when it comes to business and sales and your customer. So now that you have handled objections, another quick thing I just want to say about objections. If your customer is even coming up with objections and asking questions, that's a great sign because that means that they're considering buying your product or service and doing business with you. So those are, those are leads to getting that close. So after handling the objections, the next part is closing the sale. This is where a lot of people end up failing. They get caught up in the conversations and the conversations and the small talk and the small talk and they kind of sit there and they don't ask for the sale. Don't make that mistake. And asking for the sale comes with time too, especially if you're not used to selling. It can feel uncomfortable. Like, well, I can't, you know, I don't want to ask them for the sale. I don't want to ask them to give me money. So you have to change your mindset when it comes to that. Your customer is there to buy the product or service. People buy stuff all the time. Don't feel bad about being the person that sells that product or service to that customer. You know that you're coming forward with a level of integrity and a high quality product or service. Be confident in that. So don't think of it like, You're pulling one over on someone. If you're in your business and you're selling your product, I'm assuming that you believe in it. I believe in Sexy Boss Babe Quick Nails. I don't feel bad when I sell anything to a customer, to anybody, because I believe in it. And I don't sell to people that the product is not a match for. I make sure that I find high-quality leads and people, retail stores, or customers that are interested in nail products. So I, quali- I do a good job qualifying my leads. And I do a good job closing those sales. And I ask for those sales. I don't beat around the bush about it. When I was in legal sales, for example, closing the sale was as simple as after you do your presentation... You talk about, we, I would talk about an upcoming case or cases that they're currently working on. We dealt with depositions. That's what a customer would give us a deposition to handle and service for them. So when it came time to close the sale, that was one of the closing questions. What depositions do you have coming up this week? They'd name them. I'd write them down. Um, can we start scheduling these depositions for you? And then the customer typically would say yes, and we'd go from there. Or what's your username or what's your email address? We'll set up your username and password. We'll get you set up with this deposition. When do you need it? What's the date? And I'll kind of start taking the order right then and there. Um, with Sexy Boss Babe, if I'm doing a face-to-face sale, after we've gone over everything, I'll tell the customer we accept cash uh, credit. Um, how would you like, which styles would you like and how would you like to pay? And right there, the customer makes our selection and then they're able to pay. We do that, you know, obviously at events and, uh, 
any face-to-face opportunities where we're selling the product. When I did door-to-door sales for AT&T, very similar. Explained all the the products and services, the benefits, handled all the objections, and when it came time, I'd pull out the contract, go over all the great benefits that the customer wanted, and ask them for the sale. And another part about asking for the sale when you do that, sometimes people talk themselves out of the sale because they talk too much. When you get to the point of finally asking for the sale, you wait. Once you say it, once you ask, allow there to be space and pause for silence. Wait for them to make a decision. Don't keep pushing it. And sometimes it's hard because when it's quiet and you can see them thinking, you want to jump in and say a couple more things. Don't. There's power in that quietness. And this is also a negotiation tactic. When you are negotiating in other aspects of of business, when you get to the part of making that deal and you give your close, you wait. You wait for the response of the other person. And it's something I've learned over time reading, you know, books on negotiation and business, and it works. So you wait. And oftentimes when you wait and you let the customer take the time to absorb, go through their own mind, and you're not pushy, you get the sale. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty, pretty exciting when you get that sale. So now that you've gotten the sale and you've closed the deal, you get obviously get all their contact information and do the transaction, whatever it is. It's signing a contract, doing a point of sale, whatever it is for your business. The next part, the last step in the sales cycle, which most salespeople forget, is to ask for a referral. And asking for a referral is very simple. You thank them for meeting them. You thank them for the sale. You thank them for their business. And you ask them, it would be so great uh, to get connected or introduced to anyone that you think that would benefit from this service. If you're happy with this, or it looks like you're happy with this, do you know anybody, friends or family that you think might be interested in this? And the person will think to themselves, because now guess what? They trust you now. They just bought from you. So they will think about family or friends that might be interested in your product or service, and they'll give you that information. And there you go. Now that referral goes back to the beginning of your sales cycle. You add it as a prospect or lead. So those are the main seven steps of the sales cycle and how to sell. And I'm actually going to finish off by giving you guys a little story and a little example. So there's a very famous uh, sales interview question. And if any of you guys have ever been in sales, you definitely know this. And for those that don't, you may come across somebody asking you this question at some point, or you may be asking one of your uh, sales team hirees at some point in the future. It is that famous question of, sell me this pen. And it happened to me at one of my first jobs. I was about 16 years old. It was a clothing store. It was a really high-end luxury clothing store. And the district manager was interviewing me. 
and we're sitting there. He asked me all these great questions and I did really well and I was really ambitious and I presented well. So I knew he liked me. The final interview question was, okay, Arzo, here's a pen. Sell it to me. And I looked at the pen and I thought, huh, how am I going to sell this to him? So I said, well, this is a great pen and it writes really well and it has a click at the end and you can click it and um, unclick it <laughs> and it's got this little, you know, hook on the side and you can stick it in your pocket. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not interested. And I didn't get the sale. And I handled selling that pen incorrectly. And that was when I was young and I was inexperienced in sales. What I did is I was just describing the product or service. What I should have done is through qualifying the customer, figured out why they want to buy the pen. What kind of a customer are they? What kind of a pen user are they? So if somebody asked me today that same question, sell me the pen, this is how I would handle that situation. I would ask the person why they're interested in buying a pen at this time and find out, is this person looking to buy a gift for somebody or is this person looking to buy the pen for themselves? Now, we all have seen different pens, usually at the grocery store or at Staples. Most are just average pens. Um, you might get a, a pack of, of, you know, 10 pens for $6 in a pack. Most of us, those are the kind of pens that we use. However, if someone is coming to you asking questions about a pen, they probably want a more expensive pen, a high quality pen and a luxury pen. So it's important to know, is this a gift? The person might say, actually, it is a gift. I would ask them, who are you looking to purchase this gift for? Maybe they say, oh, it's my nephew. He's graduating from college and he just got this great job. So I want to buy him a nice pen so that he has something nice to write with. Well, that changes things. So the next question I might ask the customer is, what's your price point? As a pen seller, I have varying uh, levels of pens. I have a, a, a lower price point pen, mid price point pen, and of course, high price point pens. If it's a gift, it's probably not going to be a lower price pen. It's either going to be a mid or high level pen. So through qualifying, I'll figure that part out. Um, the next variation of that is maybe it's not a gift. Maybe it's for the person themselves. Now, it says something to me. Um, about a person that is looking to purchase a nice pen for themselves. I want to know, is this person an executive? Are they a manager? What kind of duties do they have at work? So I'd ask the customer, what would you use this pen for? Do you sign a lot of contracts? Are you in a lot of meetings? And if those answers are yes, then I know that this pen is going to represent um, a level of uh, luxury, a level of um, statement, right? And this is somebody that's going to be sitting in a meeting and they want the pen to be some level of a statement. 
in a meeting, when you're closing a deal and you take out a really high quality pen, let's say a Mont Blanc, for example, it says something about you. It says something about the person that's signing that or writing that. It sends a message to the people that you're doing business with. You invest in yourself. You invest in your customer. You invest in your business. These are all messages. So it's important. So the point of this is to know, take the time to figure out who your customer is. So you're not going to sell a big pen to that customer. That customer is not interested in saving money. That customer is interested in prestige, quality, and luxury. So again, qualifying the customer is a really, really important step. Um, Once you know what level your customer is at, you're able to provide them the right type of, of, of products and services that meets their needs. And that's the whole point of sales. It's not about pushing something on somebody that they don't want. It's about finding out what your customer needs and wants is important to them and then finding that product or service to match their needs so that they are satisfied. And that is really what sales is. And that's not so icky when you know that you're creating solutions and benef- and providing benefits for people. You're helping. That's just another way of looking at it. And after selling for as long as I have, that's how I look at it. I don't like pushing things onto people. I like people to be happy and I want to give people something that they want, something that they'll walk away with excited. Easier said than done. It takes practice. But the whole point in this episode is to encourage all of you amazing, wonderful, go-getter women to not be afraid of sales. Um, and you are going to be going a little bit outside of your comfort zone, most likely. And that's okay. I talk about mindset all the time. This is the mindset. And I just gave you guys seven great steps on getting that sale. And the fact that you're offering benefits and services. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you got something positive out of this that will help you on your journey of entrepreneurship or sales. Thanks so much for listening. And I've got to announce the winner of the podcast contest. It is Zarguna. And she posted for us, loves our podcast, and congratulations. We will be sending you a box of quick nails and a bonus item. For anyone that would like to participate in this contest, it's very easy to enter. All you have to do is listen to one of our podcasts, subscribe, write a review, screenshot it, and post about it on social media, and tag us. Our social media handle is at the sexy boss babe that will enter you into the contest and we announce a winner every single week tune in to win thanks everyone for listening catch you next time one last thing guys as a reminder we're a social impact company 
and for every purchase of a Sexy Boss Babe product, we're able to support charities that help foster youth and survivors of sex trafficking. There are 500,000 kids in the American foster care system, and 60% of sex trafficking victims are either former or current foster youth. This demographic needs our help, and before we can do that, we need to raise awareness. We've started an awareness campaign using the hashtag SBB movement. You can help us raise the awareness through using that hashtag. To learn more about this cause and this movement and what more you can do, please visit our website at www.sexybossbabe.com. We really believe that together we can make a difference. Thank you for listening.